As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. We're back. It is a Thursday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. It's Ian Mendes, Sean McIndoe with you as we kind of get set for the calm before the storm. A lot of uh, rookie camps are going on. Uh, this weekend at rookie tournaments, but next week at this time, NHL training camps will be uh, in full swing. So uh, between now and then, it's a little bit lighter, but we'll have some fun. We've got some great mailbag questions to get to, a little bit of this week in hockey history. We're actually going to workshop one of Sean's uh, columns maybe for next week. We'll, we'll kind of uh, you know bat that ar- uh, around a little bit. We'll talk about Marion Hosa's number 81, the date that that's going to go to the rafters in Chicago. Um, but I want to start with something, uh, Sean, that... Our colleague at The Athletic, Shams uh, Sharania, uh, who is obviously one of the best newsbreakers in the NBA business, um, had the details a couple days ago that the NBA is now closer than ever to implementing an in-season tournament starting not this season but next year. So 2023, uh, 2024, the NBA, uh, Sean, is looking at doing an in-season tournament. And this is just to give our listeners a little sense of like the framework. And we'll bring this back to the NHL here in a second. But basically, um, in the month of November, your regular season games are like these sort of, we'll call them the, they call them the cup games, okay? So then the teams, the eight teams with the best record in the month of November will advance to a single elimination tournament in the month of December. Uh, The other 22 teams that aren't part of that elite eight or whatever you want to call them, they just go back to their regular Uh, season schedule Um, every game that's part of this in-season tournament is actually part of your regular 82 game schedule with the caveat being if you get to the final of the in-season tournament you technically play one more game than everybody else so 
you know, you, you might end up playing 83 games instead of 82. Like, let's say if Boston and Golden State get to the final end of the year, they play 83 games instead of 82. My question is, um, you're going to hear this chatter a lot, uh, I think, amongst hockey fans because the NBA is doing it. My question is, could this ever work in the NHL? I think it could. Uh, I'm I'm curious to see how it works in the NBA. I don't mind letting them run with the ball here, uh, so to speak, and and uh, let them be the test case. Um, the key here, and and the key thing that makes me think this could work in hockey, is that everything they're doing also counts as part of the regular season. This is not something that is happening beyond that. This is not something where they pause the season to do this little mini tournament. I don't think that would work in hockey. I mean, we have seen in hockey, whether it's the All-Star game or whether you you have ever paid money to go to a, a, a training camp game, like a, a preseason game, we've seen that if the game doesn't count, the effort level drops significantly to the point where it, it's borderline unwatchable. Um, right. So that would be the key here. And, and that's, you know, I, I say that because uh, I'm a big proponent of changing how we do the uh, determine the draft order um, rather than doing lotteries and doing it all by standings. I, I'm a big fan of, of what's called the gold plan, which is an idea a guy came up with years ago now where, where you uh, basically as teams get eliminated from the playoffs, they start earning points towards their draft spot. Um, I love that idea. Gives the bad teams a head start, but it makes you win your way to the top pick. I, I think it's I think it's phenomenal. But whenever I, I I put it out there, some people like it, some people don't. And then there's always people who say, "Well, okay, well, what if instead of doing it that way, what if you just take all the teams that don't make the playoffs and you have them do a tournament at the end of the year for the number one pick? Wouldn't that be great? A tournament for Connor Bedard or the you know for for whoever's going to be the next Connor McDavid and my. I love the concept, but I don't think that would work because those games are outside of the regular season, and I just don't think you would see the effort level from players. I know, I mean, there'd be a prize at the end in terms of getting a number one pick, but I mean, you're, you, man, you're a player. You just finished an 82-game season, and now you're going to go win a tournament so that some guy can come in and take your spot on the first line next year. I, I don't right. I don't think it would work. I think, you know, there'd be too many guys who'd be hurt, too many guys who wouldn't want to play. Um I I don't I don't think it would work, and I've always kind of felt the same way about this idea of uh, you know what if we did some sort of tournament, um, but by making it part of the regular season, you change that dynamic. I mean that was the masterstroke that made the outdoor games successful. Like we had had outdoor games before as exhibition games, but that that very first Heritage Classic back in what was it two thousand three, yeah. That was the key that made it work was they counted that as a regular season game. And I, I'm sure there were some people who didn't want to said, you know what? The conditions might be weird. It's it's outside of our normal thing. We can't count that as what if what if some team misses the playoffs by one point because they lost an outdoor game. But the league, to their credit, said, no, we're going to count that as a regular season game. That gives you the intensity. It gives you the importance. It turns it into a meaningful game. Um, same deal here. I'm just very curious to see in the NBA what the, the do the players care about this does this feel important to the players or does it just feel like one of those weird kind of sideshow things that that they put a name on but it just feels like the regular season or does the intensity level go up i know they're going to put a cash prize out there for the yeah. nba players but but does it turn into something more and 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 why that concerns me as a hockey fan is it's it's been made 
very, very clear. In fact, I, I think I've made the argument before. I think this is harmful for the NHL. Um, other people disagree, but it has been made very, very clear over and over in the NHL that the Stanley Cup is the only thing that matters. Nobody cares who wins the President's Trophy at all. Nobody cares who wins number one seeding. Anytime a team raises a banner like regular yeah. season division champion, we all laugh at them. Um, Nashville. You know, yeah, exactly. We, we, we don't care about any of that stuff. Even you can win the conference championship and we all sit around and, and go, well, they better not touch the trophy, right? We see this, yeah. this, this stupid thing the players, oh, we didn't touch the trophy because that's not the trophy we want, right? You know, like, oh, great. You're, you know, two teams get there every year and you're acting like it doesn't matter. Um, you know, and, I, and I've said the reason, I love, the, I, I love the, the legacy of the Stanley Cup. I love how important it is, but you, you can't have a league where 97% of the league are failures every year. That, like, how do you market that? How do you get fans passionate and excited? And boy, can't wait to see my team maybe have one good season uh, or two in my lifetime and the rest of them I'm supposed to act like they're, they're big failures. So would that same, you know, would we see that same sort of thing? Would, would the team that wins the tournament not touch the trophy because, uh, no, we're focused on the Stanley Cup? You know, would you see some coach starting his backup goalie in the championship game because uh, we got a big division game the week after and, and we're really focused on the Cup? You know, that kind of super hyper traditionalist nonsense could could waylay it. But if they're open to it, uh, you know, and if if it's treated as something important and again, it's regular season. So it does, you know, the, everything by definition matters. Uh, I think it be it could be pretty cool and it could be a cool way to make those November, December games feel more important. Because, I mean, gee, look at the Eastern Conference last year. We knew the playoff teams by November. And it felt like nothing really that happened the rest of the way was going to matter all that much. This would be a way to make it matter. And it would make those, you know, November, December games for the good teams that you already know are on the way to the playoffs suddenly feel uh, like they mattered. And, uh, you know, you could get some cool scenarios. You could get playoff rematches. Like, you know, oh, yeah, these these two teams that uh, we got beat in the, uh, in, in the regular season uh, cup mode, but you know, now we get a chance back at them. It, it could be cool. I, I want to see if it works in the NBA – I'd love to try it in the NHL. Sometimes this stuff sounds cool in practice, but or in theory, but then you see it out, uh, play it out in real life, and it and it doesn't work. Um, I'm happy to let the NBA uh, lead lead the way on this, but if it works for them, I'd love to see the NHL try it. Okay, but we've also let the NBA kind of run the trial balloon on the play-in tournament, meaning at the mm -hmm. end of the regular season, uh, the top six teams in each conference automatically get their ticket punched to the playoffs. But the teams that are ranked seventh and eighth in the conferences, they have to go and play an extra kind of play-in round. Um, yep. We've seen that play itself out now for a couple of years in the NBA. The NBA now looks like they've they've adopted that permanently. Have we seen enough out of that to say, okay, you know what? Yes, sign me up for the play-in tournament. I know. Look, baseball was the first one to do it with the wild card play-in game a few years ago, and I think a lot of people love it. The drama of you know game one sixty three seems to. Uh, really matter and it, it, it it's great. Um, they've added to that. The NBA has added to it. The NFL has expanded even um, their, 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 and altered their playoff format. The NHL hasn't. Mm -hmm. Have you seen enough out of the play-in format in the NBA to say, yeah, you know what, give me give me that? I, I have because I've been yeah. I've been on board with this idea for a while, and I've I've laid out the argument. I think um, more playoff spots means more teams that are that have something to play for late in the season uh and and i think it puts more inflection points 
on the standings, especially today in an era where basically you make the playoffs one through eight, the seeding doesn't matter. Home ice doesn't matter. At least it doesn't feel like it matters. And it doesn't feel like the teams particularly care about it. I mean, look at Tampa Bay. They finish third every year in the division. They don't care um, because they know they can win playoff series on the road. But now suddenly where you finish starts to matter more because you don't want to be in the play-in. So now you want to finish up around sixth. And also, you know, maybe the teams that are, maybe you want to finish first or second to play those play-in teams and, you know, get teams that aren't as rested and all of that stuff. Uh, I've, I, I had seen enough when I first saw the idea and started thinking about it, that, you know what, this makes sense for the NHL. A- and I've said before, if you're somebody who says, no, no, we, you know what we had, I feel like a lot of hockey fans are scarred by the fact that we had so many years where there were 21 teams and 16 made the playoffs <laughs> yeah, and it was too many. We're making. Yeah. And, and they feel like, you know, no, we finally got it down to half. Now we finally got 32 teams, 16 out of 32. That's right. Okay. So do a play in and say that only the teams that make it through the play in make the playoffs. You know, that I'd be fine right. with that. You know, we don't count it. I, I'm totally on board with it. But here's the thing. I'm not the one who makes that call. And Gary Bettman, from all the accounts I've ever heard, just has a real bug up his behind about this. Like, this feels like one of those things that, you know, don't, don't you feel like there's so many things that whenever they get proposed, you get this kind of wishy-washy, uh, maybe yeah. someday, who knows. But this is the one that Gary Bettman just shoots it down. And says, no, we are not changing the playoffs. Um, and and okay, I mean, he's the commissioner. He's supposed to be the leader of the league. I don't mind him slamming his fist down on the table and saying, we're, we are not going to do something. I just wish I saw this kind of leadership from him more often on anything else other than this one issue where he just seems to have decided years and years ago that that was it. We're not doing anything with the playoffs, even though it would give us more postseason games, even though it would give us, you know, more, uh, you know, more attention, more markets in the running. I, you know, I thought maybe when we saw the bubble in 2020, where the NHL by circumstances was forced to get creative and did a, a fantastic job, did, you know, did something that a lot of us, when we first heard it went, oh right. man, that's, that's crazy. Pulled it off, had it work. Uh, I thought, okay, maybe this will open the door. And, and then everything I've seen in the two years since from Gary Bettman is no, we're absolutely not doing it. Um, so, you know, I guess, I guess that's that until, you know, I, I'm always, everyone always tells me whenever I get mad at Gary Bettman about anything that he just works for the owners and I shouldn't blame him for anything. And he's just, it's just his job to just count up the votes. He's basically a glorified $8 million a year uh, stenographer taking notes at their meetings. I've never bought into that. Um, but if that was the case, um, I'd love for the owners to overrule him here because I think it would be cool, but uh, apparently not. He he shoots this down. Um, if you've never seen him ask this at one of his press guys, he he shoots it down with uh, uh, a passion that you, you just don't see from this guy on on pretty much anything else, and I don't understand why that is. Yeah, I feel like there's a backstory here. Like any other topic you bring up with Gary, even if you're like, you know, one day could you see a European division in the NHL? And be like, nah, you mm-hmm. know. Probably not, but you know, never say never. This one, it almost feels like did something happen to you in middle school where like you got knocked out of a tournament <laughs> because of a play in yes. format? Like there's yes. there's there's gotta be something here. Get get um, Russo on this. There's a story yeah. here. Gary Bettman lost his chess tournament in like grade seven because there was some, some sort of double play in or you know, yeah. one of those where yeah, there's something double elimination. What do you die? Beat you already. And yeah, that's it's yeah. gotta be something like that. Yeah, because uh, uh, man, he gets he gets fired up about that. I'll tell you, you're right. The 2020 bubble when they had the play in, 
uh, essentially, technically, it was a play-in, right? Remember, like, eh, Toronto yeah. played Columbus and Chicago and Edmonton. And, you know, and we were like, okay, there it is. The genie's out of the bottle. Now we can do it. And then they went back. Where I thought there was a real chance is when the NBA, um, sorry, the NHL renegotiated the TV deals in the United States and ESPN came back on board and TNT yeah. came. And I thought, okay, here we go. Like, this is it. Like, for, this is like made for TV. Like, if I was a television executive, and I had a product like the NHL. I would be pushing for the play-in tournament because it's like made-for-TV, uh, must-watch appointment viewing. And mm -hmm. it didn't happen there. So then now in my mind, I'm thinking, well, whenever the next Canadian television deal is up, which I think is 2027, yeah, I want to say. Um, getting there. Kind of slowly moving along. I think we're uh, in you, the year eight of a 12-year deal or whatever it is. Like but. It, the the pro you know part of the problem for this league has been most of the innovation has come from south of the border because they're not so desperately tied to tradition and you know as right. like like we are up here in Canada but maybe it would and and to be clear if people don't know what we're talking about like we're not we're not talking about the bubble where you you had twenty four teams and people no, are they're playing series it, it how does it work in the NBA right it's it's it, it, it's so, teams uh, number ten nine eight and seven yeah ten and nine play each other. Okay, loser goes home. Seven and eight play each other. Winner is in the playoffs. And yes. then the loser of seven and eight plays the winner of nine and 10, and the winner of that team is in the playoffs. So basically, Correct. if you finish seventh or eighth, you get you have two, two swings. Yep. And if you finish ninth or 10th, you've got to go two for two. Uh, so it's, you know, it, even there, where you finish matters a lot. Um, but. Uh, you know, you do open it up. The, the the one thing that I feel like did give us a bit of a step back, because I've always said, like, I mean, look at the standings. You know, why, why do we draw this huge thick line between eight and nine when a lot of times, uh, you know, nine to 10 is just as close and 10 to 11 is just as close and maybe only a few points back. What hurt us is, is last year, the Eastern Conference. That's yeah. going to be, that to me is both the, the best argument for and against, right? Because if you want an argument against, you say, look, Teams 9 and 10 were 20 points back a teammate. Are you really going to play a whole season, have a team like Boston or Washington finish 20 points ahead of whoever it would have been, Columbus, and then maybe lose one game to them or one you know short two-game series and they miss the playoffs to a team that's 20 points back? That's ridiculous. Now, the, the argument, the reason why it's an argument for is, as I already said, that playoff race was as dull as a race could possibly be in the East last year. Yeah, it was done. I mean, went from no, mid-November, it was finished. Yeah. And, and you know, we didn't need to pay attention. All you, need, you were worried about was seeding, and seeding doesn't matter. Um, this would have given you something to, to to look for and something to play for. But I do get where team, you know, and, and I don't know, maybe it's a cutoff. Maybe you say, like, in order to make the play-in, you have to finish within X points of eighth place. So that if yeah. that Eastern scenario, that we number? just go, we're Ten, not is, doing it. Is it 10, 10, is 10 points too, too five big? Or, like, you know, I wouldn't go like less than six, right? I mean, like you have to acknowledge that, you know, two or three games, you know, some people would say 10 too big. I mean, look, it's, it's, it's hockey, it's sports. Some team, you know, my team finishes eighth and we lose in a play in, I'm going to complain. I'm going to say that this system is no good. And if my team's ninth and they get into the playoffs, I'm going to think it's great. Um, but I, there, it just feels like there's so many different ways to do it. And, and I'm not saying the NBA has it perfect. Um, you know, but let's get creative. Let's think about it. And it just feels like in the NHL for public perception, at the very least, it's just, it's just something, it's a non-starter. Uh, Gary Bettman just, just does not want it to get off the ground. I, I 
don't understand why that is because it's like you said, it should be free money for the TV partners uh, and and free attention and free hype and and more meaningful games in the regular season. I don't see the downside um, other than this idea that we're letting too many teams into the playoffs or we're letting the wrong ones in. And like I said, just don't call it the playoffs. Call it, you know, say the play in play in is yep. not the playoffs. And if your team finishes 10th and they lose that first game, your team did not make the playoffs. I, do it that way if you want to. I, I don't know. Um, I, I'd love to hear from some people who hate this idea and can articulate to me why they don't want to see it. Um, yeah, other we're, than we're just gonna, other than this isn't the way we've done it before, because I'm I'm sick and tired of that being the answer for everything in hockey. We're going to get a note, an email from Gary, Gary B. Yeah. In uh, okay, Secaucus, we have a, New yeah, Jersey. Barry G. Uh, wait yeah. a second. That's. Yeah. Hmm, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Barry Getman. Uh, I don't. Yeah, to, Barry, let, let, send us a voicemail, Barry. Let's see if we can uh, we can yeah. spot the uh, spot the voice. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, look, as I mentioned off the top, this is a real soft spot uh, on the kind of the news cycle in the NHL. A lot of teams are starting their rookie tournaments, rookie camps. Next week, uh, when we get back on Thursday, we'll have um, obviously... Uh, training camps starting, maybe some other signings, that type of thing. Uh, Chicago, though, uh, Sean was in the news on uh, Wednesday as they announced the date in which Marion Hosa's number 81 will be raised to the rafters at uh, United Center. It's going to be November 20th against, interestingly enough, it's the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, Hosa, of course, played one season. Uh, they're in, kind of part of a season, right, with the Penguins and mm-hmm. uh, got to Stanley Cup uh, final before losing. I thought Pittsburgh was a curious choice. I I mean, here's the thing. Okay, here's a fun Marion Hosa fact for you. And this is why I wish they had picked Ottawa uh, as the opponent. Did you know Marion Hosa scored more goals with Ottawa than he did with Chicago? I did not. No, I don't think a lot That's of people surprising. know that. Yeah, it is. It's, it is. It's a surprising well, Marion Hosa. What about, ga- what about games? Uh, fewer games in Ottawa. Yeah, okay. But more goals. Just more 188 goals with Ottawa. Mm-hmm. And 186 goals with Chicago. Like again, oh, wow, if you would okay, ask yeah. most people, what team did Marion Hosa score the most goals with? You would, mm-hmm. I think, automatically say uh, Chicago, and that's you know not the case. He had a little slightly better production in Ottawa, but that's besides the point. I guess my question is this: If we assume that Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane are slam dunks to get their numbers eventually retired, um, yeah, there's still some runway to go, and maybe things get a little sticky and whatever. But all things being equal, it feels like. Uh, 19 and 88 are going to the rafters in Chicago. Now 81 is going up with Marion Hosa. 
Um, I feel like Duncan Keith is a lock, at, you know, Norris Trophy winner, arguably yes. at one point the best defenseman in the he game. And, and Right? Because so I, I, I think he's going to go to the Hall of Fame and yeah. uh, that, that should make him a lock. Yeah. But now my question is Brent Seabrook. Because if you say yes to Hosa, can you say no to Seabrook? I guess is my question. I think you can. I don't think they do. I, I, you know, Seabrook out of that, out of those five players, certainly in terms of star power, uh, is is the fifth, and and I don't think anyone would argue that. Uh, I would, I would say as far as importance to the team, probably fifth. But I, I'm sure there are some Hawks fans who go, wait a second, you know, he this this was this guy was the glue guy. This guy was more important than you think, even though he didn't put up the the big numbers. Um, you know, I, I, I think he probably does get up there as well. Um, it's, it's maybe a little tougher. It's, it's, it's interesting to me because every team is different with how they handle retired numbers. Every team has their own policies, idiosyncrasy. I mean, there's some teams that will not retire your number if you're not in the hall of fame, um, which to me is ridiculous. I've never liked that, that criteria, but some teams do it that way. Um, there are teams that that even getting into the Hall of Fame doesn't necessarily get you in. I mean, when we talked to to, to Arpin last uh, you know last week, yeah. right? I mean, Montreal. There's there's too many guys. There's guys in the Hall of Fame who didn't uh, didn't get their their numbers retired. Chicago's interesting. Chicago's what I would consider more traditional in the sense that they have like the superstars are the ones that are up there. They don't really have anyone that you wouldn't consider an all time star, with the exception. Um, of Keith Magnuson, and, and that was a uh, uh, case of a guy who played for the team for a lot of years and then tragically died at a young age. Um, other than that, it's it's Glenn Hall, Bobby Hall, Denny Savard, Stan Makita, Tony Esposito, uh, and then it'll be the, the modern guys. What's interesting about that for, for me is that what's, what's missing, other than Denny Savard, is pretty much an entire generation of, you know, 80s and 90s. Black Ronick, There's no, no Doug Wilson. No Jeremy Roenick, uh, no Steve Larmer is one that, I, you know, I know a lot of people are pushing for yeah. him to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, even Chris Chelios, not not up there as a uh, as a Blackhawk. And, and, you know, he obviously spent uh, a lot of time there. Um, so, you know, you you will get this this situation where, you know, when you're part of the reason I love retired numbers is is the image of you know, the, the mom or the dad bringing the little kid into the arena and pointing up at and saying, you know, there's the story of this, this franchise hanging up there. And the story of the, of the Blackhawks is basically, you know, we won some cups in, you know, in the, in the sixties and we had this great goalie in the, uh, in the sixties and seventies. And then dot, 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 there was Denny Savard and for 30 years and that's it. And that's all we got. And, and it would, that will certainly feel very over the top if you get to uh you know to to the modern era and there's five guys hanging there so um you know i to me that's not an argument against doing brett seabrook it's an argument maybe for doing a few of the guys um you know it, i mean doug wilson made the hall of fame 100 percent based on his work with the blackhawks you know the, the those that last season or two in san jose didn't didn't move the needle at all um you know guys like that um, because I, 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 as I say, you can, you can be very exclusive with your numbers or you can be, you know, very open and, and put up basically anyone that was meaningful to the fans. And I'm good with either. I, I, I've always said when it comes to who should get their number, I'll, I'll debate you on the hall of fame, but when it comes to who should get their number retired, 
who do the fans want? Who do the fans yeah. love? You know what? Get them. Get them. I, I, I cheer for the Leafs. Wendell Clark didn't come close to the Hall of Fame. Of course, his number should be hanging in the rafters. You, you, you can't tell the story of the Maple Leafs without his number being up there. Um, I, I don't mind teams that cast a bit of a wide net, but it's going to look very weird if the Blackhawks go from an entire generation of being incredibly stingy and then have five guys from the same team up there. And that's not even getting into, well, you know, if we're going to do Seabrook, what about Patrick Sharp? What about this guy or that guy? What about Corey Crawford? Corey Crawford, yeah, from two. absolutely. Um, you know, I, I, it's going to be interesting. They're going to have to draw the line somewhere, I guess. Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll tell you, as a Leaf fan, watching my team not win a cup for 50 years, if they win three in a, in a handful of years, I, you, you can retire the whole team. I don't, they can yeah. all go up there. If we don't have any numbers left, that's fine. Everyone can wear a symbol. I don't care. I, I will be... I'll be out there. Yeah, go ahead and retire the backup goalies number. I could care less if uh, if they do it. So I'm I'm all for Chicago going nuts here. But let's let's maybe consider backfilling a little bit on some of those uh, some of those teams that were really good and in some cases went all the way to a final and uh, you know didn't win a championship, but uh, uh, I think are, are probably still deserving. So I was also looking this up, and I was kind of surprised by this. Marion Hosa's number eighty one will be raised to the rafters as, as I mentioned by Chicago this season. Uh, he's only the second player, Sean, whose number is in the 80s to be retired in the NHL. And the hmm. only other one in the 80s that is retired is Eric Lindros, 88 in Philadelphia. And that, of course, took a little bit of time because there was a, a yep. fracturing of that relationship. But that's it. That's the only two numbers in the 80s. Now, um, as I kind of think this out here, I'm going to go through a few more guys in the 80s. You tell me. They're, they're probably like Sidney Crosby. It's a lock. Yes. Patrick I, I'm going to say, I'm going to go ahead and say Sidney Crosby's yeah. probably it's, getting his number. So, that's and, a hot take. And I say that even though, even though Pittsburgh Penguin, but just, just off the top of your head, do you know who's, uh, who, who are the players that the Pittsburgh Penguins numbers have well, retired? I know there's, there's, uh, Rick Kehoe. Nope. Uh, he's not, not Rick retired? Kehoe. Nope. He's uh, not. I don't believe at least, uh, was. There's one of those unless, random unless guys from recently. the seventies that, that you, people don't know. I'll give you the entire uh, list. And okay. well, Mario, obviously. Mario Lemieux. Yeah. Michelle Briere. That's it. Sorry. That's, and that's, that's the who entire list. And Michelle yeah. Briere is, is another one of those. Right. It was a tragedy. He was killed in yeah. a car accident. That's it. Yep. They haven't done Jagger yet. They didn't do Ron Francis. They've got only those guys. But yes, uh, Sidney Crosby is, uh, is, is definitely but, going up there as well. Yeah. So Crosby's going to get in. Kane's going to get in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think, I think Nikita Kucherov's going to get in. Right, mm-hmm. like in Tampa, I would imagine. Yeah, Tampa uh, so doesn't all, really have enough of a history to know for sure how they're going to. Yeah, but, but but yes, I mean, I, really, Kucherov's going to get in. Yeah, Kucherov get in. Stanley mm-hmm. Cups and MVPs, all that stuff, uh, scoring titles, etc. So all yep. of a sudden, you're going to get a whole bunch of guys. I think in the in the number in the 80s, I, I think David Pasternak's going to come a bit short in Boston. He's it's That's still a way me. to go on that. Boston some, is a tough some, one. Boston's a there's tough some one. Track there, Brent Burns but, in San Jose. Now that they're retiring numbers, finally, yeah. Yeah, is is another one. Maybe you get Vasilevsky in Tampa as well. Alex McGilney, maybe if there's like a, a thawing See, of relations, maybe somewhere. I, with McGilney's Buffalo. the one that again, like I'm yeah. shocked that he hasn't happened already. And I know it, with him, it's a bit of an issue that he didn't stick around one place all that long. I mean, you could you could make an argument for him, maybe even in New Jersey, but for Buffalo, um, yeah. I mean, Buffalo hasn't done. I, I don't believe they've done Dave Anderchuk or Phil Housley either. So um, Buffalo's a little bit. A little bit weird as far as how they're picking and choosing, but McGillney, I mean, you and I and everybody else, it feels like I've been banging the drum for McGillney for the Hall of Fame for a while now. Um, maybe that's what does it in Buffalo. Um, 
Yeah. And and I've also I've also talked to people for the both the Hall of Fame and retired numbers who said that the problem with McGillney is he might not show up. He might, yeah. he might just yeah. he might just send you a text like K thanks and that's yeah. it like you don't there's no speech or anything like that. So maybe that could be it too, but yeah, I don't know. Okay. So anyway, so the eight, the 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 80s are going to get a whole bunch of additions now. So Lindros will be joined by Hosa and then at some point like we said Crosby uh Kane, Kucherov, etc. Um so that leaves now two kind of number or kind of a sets of numbers here Sean that only have one number retired, okay? So okay. there's only one number in the 40s in the NHL that's retired by a team. Okay. Okay. So again, mm-hmm. this is some impromptu trivia. So any yeah. any any guesses, any thoughts? Uh, I, I need mean, you my... to drop a Stefan Riche reference here, hoping. Yeah. My... No. Okay. So my first thought was a goalie, but I can't off the top of my head think of too many goalies. And then my next thought is it has to be a forty-four because that's yeah, you're right the only on that. Cool number. It's a forty-four. Okay. It's a 44, um, and it's obviously right. not a goalie. It's not People a goalie. know I have some issues with that number, that jersey number, when it comes to, to forwards and that. Is there a def- – Chris Pronger was 44. Go. Yeah, was Chris that Pronger, St. Louis. Yeah, Wow, absolutely. okay. Chris Pronger, St. Yeah. Louis. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then in the 50s, there's only one number that is retired uh, for a player. I, you know, Technically speaking, and this is, again, once again, one of those more serious uh, notes – but the Vegas Golden Knights have retired the number fifty-eight, yes. on, you know that um, due to the the tragic mass shooting that occurred just before their franchise uh, started that took the lives of fifty-eight people. But um, in terms of players in the NHL that have a number in the fifties retired, there's only one player, and I'm wondering yeah. if you know who that is. Okay, so again, I'm sort of thinking. Not a goalie. Um, not a goalie for sure here. I'm I'm thinking fifty-five now is my is 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 it fifty-five? It's not fifty-five. Okay. That's the funny thing. Um did they not do Zubov in Dallas this year? Yeah. That this was year. it. Okay. Sergey Zubov's number fifty-six was retired. First time ever that a player whose number was in the fifties was retired. Um, that was this year, Sergei Zubov, fifty-six. All right, let me let me throw the other name. I was so Adam Foot is not retired because that's the not, the other not one the that list I that think. I okay. saw. Um, okay, yeah, but no, you know what? That is a good point. No, I don't think he is right. I yeah, I, I don't. Uh, he wasn't on the list that I. Well, uh, let me. I'm gonna. You can. I'm gonna. People can hear me banging on the. As, as I do this, by the way, we should we should point out that. Um, uh, Mattis Kivlenix, uh, his his number eighty is uh, honored in Columbus, but not is, actually retired. Yeah. Although it it will not be worn. I mean, the, they'll, no. they'll never hand that number out again. But if people are are when we were talking about guys in the eighties, yeah, uh, he had his Adam Foot is he had his number retired in two thousand thirteen. He according did, to, according to this, yeah, according to Jeez, according well, to Wikipedia. This, uh, and if that's uh, if if I've learned anything, I. I think it was Hockey Reference that I went to. Either it was Hockey Uh-oh. Reference or oh, Wikipedia. Boy. Anyway, so there you go. Okay, so never mind. Move over, uh, Sergey Zubov. You weren't the first. It was Adam Foote. Yep. Sorry. Once once again, Sergey Zubov disrespected yeah. yet again. Always constantly overlooked. There you go. Um, That's all we need. Let's give his... Dallas fans another reason to get mad about Sergey Zubov. Well, this is, this would be it's Avalanche all... fans would be all over us. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, or, or all over me. About Adam, Adam Foote. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I had your back. 
Foot. Hey, actually, Adam yeah, Foot's name is going to come up. I, 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 these are words I've never uttered on a show before, but Adam okay. Foot's name is going to come up in a few minutes on this podcast when we Boy, tackle is that- something else. You want to talk about a teaser? <laughs> Is that is that what they yeah in the business this is called yeah, a cliffhanger a, now a, oh they're we're gonna see the everybody call a friend tell them to tune yeah. in Adam Foot uh, anyway but but it's a, it's 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 this week in hockey history it's a, it's a great anecdote when you're hiring for your small business you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. When you're trying to grow a business, the caliber of person you bring in to help you do that is really important. And LinkedIn makes it really easy to interview the right people for the role, quality people. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional. On LinkedIn, 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NHL show. That's linkedin.com slash NHL show to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Hey, uh, next week we're gonna we're gonna do some of your work for you. That's what and I'm every looking for. I think you do this. Thing. <laughs> this is the whole reason we generated this podcast was That's so that right. we would yep. uh, just workshop ideas for your down goes brown columns. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you do this every year, right? Where you at the start of training camp, you kind of rank everybody's bizarro meter in the off season, right? That's like right. who had the weirdest. Off season and and why don't you Every lay out team, the criteria because yeah. it's not best or worst. That's it. That's the key. Yeah. Every every year I do all thirty two teams get a rating, uh, and it's the bizarro meter. It's how bizarre was your off season and the the genesis of this. We're actually almost on a, a decade of it now because it was back in I first created this 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 concept in two thousand thirteen when the Toronto Maple Leafs had one of the worst off seasons. Um, that, Is that the that Clarkson anyone can year? Remember. That was the David Clarkson year, yeah. and and Dave Nonis gets the extension, and you know all this other stuff. And I I I, I use this as a concept to sort of go through what everything they had done in the off season, figure out how strange it was, uh, and then starting the next year, I started doing it for all thirty two teams. Who has had the weirdest 
off season and and the criteria is I, I the off season is everything from your last game to whenever it is that I'm writing this thing. So for the teams that didn't make the playoffs, it's not you know there's not a date on the calendar. It's it's different lengths for different teams. Um, I'm I'm looking at trades, transactions, all that sort of thing, but hirings, firings, off the ice stories, um, pretty much anything. Uh, and as as you said, the key here is. It's bizarre does not mean bad. There are lots of teams that have, um, you know, have very bad off seasons, but not in a way that is strange or surprising or even interesting. It's just teams doing things the way the teams do and, you know, paying too much money for depth guys and too much money for leadership and, you know, all of that stuff, mismanaging the cap. And then, you know, and theoretically, it's possible for a team to be very, very strange and be all over the place, but be doing smart things, but just being one step ahead of the crowd and doing unexpected things. So, um, you know, I, I I don't off the top of my head have like the historic scores. I think the all-time high was actually the Ottawa Senators a few years ago when they just had that offseason from hell where like every, every story day like- was just completely bizarre. And you had like the Carlson stuff going on with Mike Hoffman and, uh, you know, all sorts of other things. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm just looking, I, I'm doing a sanity check cause I've already written most of it and I want to know from you, yeah. wh- who, what are the five teams that based on that criteria have had the weirdest off seasons, okay. not best, not worst, okay. the weirdest off seasons. I'm, I'm going to start with the team that you mentioned and it's one I cover in Ottawa because mm-hmm. just hear me out on this. You were talking a, a bit earlier about Chicago and you said, you know, it be very odd, you know, for them to be so frugal for so long. And this is in regards to uh, Jersey retirement. And then all of a sudden just start doling them out without a second thought. That's almost like Ottawa this year when it comes to salary, where it's like, yep. this is the penny pinching, tight fisted uh, budget team that all of a sudden you're like, oh, Alex Debrinkit, come on down. Claude Giroux, here you go. And I feel like, I'm trying to think of like what would be the best way for me to try and accurately summarize the, like I feel like I've gone from covering the Oakland A's to maybe maybe the Yankees is a bit much or that like, might you be know a what I mean stretch, but like, yeah, I, yeah but I've gone from this budget shoestring like I don't know of a general manager who's altered his perception as much as Pierre Dorian has this summer and then when you take all of that can I just add one more thing for the bizarre O-meter or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Bizarre, the bizarre rankings. Pierre Maguire. Yep. Out. Yep. And mysteriously. You know, mysteriously I think that helps out. The, and you know what the strangest thing about that was? I love mysterious departures. Like the that, strangest that really thing about helps. that was yeah. we all went, oh yeah, yeah. Pierre Maguire yeah. worked for that. I totally forgot about that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I, and, and here, I'll tell you the, the weird thing to me about the Senators is what's happening here in Ottawa right now. Senators fans. They're happy. Yeah. They're optimistic. There's yeah. smiles what, what on the this? faces of, you know, like it's yeah. so strange. It's been like, you know, this this fan base has been you know, kicked for years and years and years. And even though, you know, the one year that they they had the success in 2017, everyone was like, oh, you're so boring. We can't wait for you to lose. Uh, and now they're just, there's a, you know, they got a little bit of a stride. Everyone's just, you walk, you look out on the sidewalks and it's just people in Sens jerseys strutting around like, they're in a Wilson Phillips uh, video. They're so 
they're so excited. They got such pep in their step. And that, yeah, that is, that is definitely strange as well. So uh, that's, that's a good what, call. I think what they will Wilson Phillips high. video, you know, I had is it, it, Wilson Phillips video where there was people, people, people know exactly, well, but there were like know. three of them. I don't know. I, they were bopping <laughs> along the streets. You know, the one I mean, could have been release like me. I don't I, know. It was, well, I, don't, I don't think. No, anyway. <laughs> don't, I don't think it was release me. That'll be, that no. might be Matt Murray's theme song later oh, this geez, year, but yeah. it will be, uh, uh, no. Okay. Another team I'd like to throw in the mix would be the New York Islanders. In fact, I might even say that they would be high. Like, look, they fired Barry. That was this off season, wasn't it? They mm-hmm. fired Barry yep. Trotz. Mm-hmm. Like this guy's mm-hmm. arguably the best coach going. Or you talked to a lot of people within the last year. If you say, who's the coach you'd want to, Barry would be at the top of the list. Then yep. they kind of didn't really do anything to the roster. They didn't do anything, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think I, that's, this, that's a good – and, and the other thing that I find very strange about – maybe not very strange, but I, I feel like the worm has turned on Lou Lamarillo. Um, among Islander fans and just the wider – you know, we, we saw in our – we were talking a few episodes ago about the front office confidence rankings and – Lou has dropped significantly, and I feel like Islander fans after this this offseason were just uh, um, not uh, not impressed with his work or lack of work. Uh, so, yeah, and, and again, you know, bizarre also doesn't necessarily have to mean newsworthy. The, the lack of news can be uh, uh, can be an issue uh, for a team, and I, and I think that was probably the case for the Islanders. So, yeah, I, I, I think that's a decent call. Islanders are in there. Like, okay, so now my question is on your meter – if you were to take a singular event, like the like Columbus landing, Johnny Gaudreau was, mm-hmm. let's all admit, the most shocking seismic moment of the offseason. Not that Gaudreau left Calgary, but that he landed in Columbus, right? Yep. Bizarre. Like, absolutely, utterly bizarre. Capital B bizarre. But is that enough to, to worm their way into the mix or no? Yeah, I don't have a final score for them yet, but I, th- I, think, I think it is. I, I think the most, because you nailed it, it's the single most shocking uh moment of the off season and and I think that would have to be up there even though you know they didn't do a ton else I mean and they got Patrick Liney signed and and a couple of other things but um yeah I I I think that they're going to they're going to score pretty well and and you know not just to, to me the strange thing and and we're not trying to beat up Columbus uh you know by talking about how shocking it was but they weren't on the list they you know they uh uh you know you and we mentioned before like we were having dinner with Portsline like a couple of days before and it never came up there was no inkling that uh uh Gaudreau was uh was was an option for Columbus it, it for me the strangest part was Johnny Gaudreau himself you know the day he signs a contract he's like yeah you know we're gonna fly into town and take a look around and it's like wait you haven't been there you haven't like yeah. looked and like you know d- dude like we we love it when guys sign on day one but when you're the biggest name like feel free to do a bit of a tour like uh but, but no he was just uh he, he just had heard all he needed to hear so um yeah very strange that, that situation. shocked me that he yeah. hadn't gone through like i was thinking that there's that simpsons episode for the, the listeners that like the simpsons where you know ned flanders and his wife are looking at a home and his wife says hold on Nettie." The homebuyers course told us we should always go inside the house before we buy it. And it's like, that's exactly what <laughs> yeah. Johnny Goudreau felt like he didn't go in the house. Yeah. And, no, he didn't. I guess he, he, he just, just, he's like, ah, it looks pretty good from here. Sometimes you just, yeah, I guess that that's Columbus. Columbus Blue Jackets curbside appeal, uh, unmatched apparently. Yeah. Um, where does Chicago come out for you? Because 
this was a strange offseason. They, they're really tearing it down, right? Like just mm-hmm. really stripping this thing. The brinket is gone. And, you know, they, they, they just they made it very clear that they're tearing this down. Yeah. Seemingly to go for. Um, they're not being subtle. They're not being I subtle. Seemingly to go to for Connor Bedard. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, they're in the mix for me a little bit. Yeah, I I, guess, I've got them. They've got a decent score. I don't think they'll be in top five. Yeah, I yeah. Um, what about Arizona moving into Mullet Arena? Like that's weird. <laughs> yeah, the fact that it is called <laughs> yeah Mullet I, Arena I, I definitely you, you, definitely you, gets you, them up there. Uh, I, I hope you could take that name into consideration in the weird rankings. I I don't have Arizona ranked all that high because the um the arena thing we knew that was kind of, that wasn't purely an offseason story like i mean it was confirmed and everything in the offseason but we knew about that before the end of their season so i i can't give them uh, a ton of credit uh, for it calgary had a um what would we call that newsworthy eventful offseason mm-hmm. um you know i think you know i think it just if you went back to march or april and you told calgary fans Hey, by the way, you're losing Goudreau and Kachuk. I think they'd be like, what? No way. Now, I think they did a pretty good job. Brad Treliving did a pretty good job in mitigating those losses. You get Mackenzie Weger, Jonathan Huberdeau, um, Nazem Kadri. You did You did also have to give up uh, Sean Monaghan in a first to kind of make all the pieces fit. But, you know, all things considered, I don't think the Flames are demonstrably worse than they were last year. At, at, at the very least, they've kind of got themselves back into the conversation of being a playoff team. But, man, a lot of things seem to happen in Calgary. Yep. This yep. Summer, right? I, the, the, the Flames are going to rank very highly. Um, don't know exactly where they'll rank, but yes. I mean, I, I've said over and over again that, you know, just being newsworthy isn't necessarily. But for a team to be this newsworthy, yeah. I think is quite unusual. To to lose the number one free agent um, is a big deal. To to then have the number one player on the trade market say, I want out um, a few days later. To pull off the sort of blockbuster that they did. And then they go and get Nazem Kadri at the end, which was bizarre in its own right. Because, I mean, it was like seven weeks on the free agency market that he's been sitting there. Um, I think that they will uh, that they'll be uh, pretty high up there. If if anything, just because the the reality of it is, if you had said at the beginning of the year, beginning of the off season, some team is going to lose a huge free agent and they're going to have their their next best player demand a trade. Okay, we all know the blueprint at that point. That's when the GM throws his hands up and says, "Guys, I hey, look what happened to me. What a terrible." Terrible thing. Yeah. I guess I guess we just got to start over. You know, we got to start the rebuild. No expectations of me for a few years now, guys. Everybody, you know, just uh, we're going to do the best we can, but I guess we're going to go back to the middle of the pack, maybe even worse. And the fact that Dr- Brad Living basically said, you know what, screw this. No, we're going to be good and maybe even better. Um, it, it was just, uh, you know, I and I don't know if they are better. Um, in fact, I suspect that we're all maybe getting a, a little too excited about the, the moves that were made just because the bar was so low on our expectations. But I love that. I love that a team went for it. I love that a team kind of, you know, yep. flipped the middle finger to, to the hockey gods and said, you know what, we're going to, you know, you're going to drop this on it. Okay. We're going to trade that star player for two star players and we're going to use Capra and we're going to get guys back and, and, you know, all of this stuff, a, a team that seemed like they were imploding, uh, ended up 
coming out of it looking looking pretty good. I you know I I kind of love it, and I and I do think that's bizarre. Unfortunately, in the NHL, um, where GMs tend to always want to be very you know safe and risk averse and all of that stuff. Um, I love I love what they did in Calgary, even if I'm not 100 percent sold on it working. And, and and I guess the other side of that equation with Calgary would be Florida, right? Because they swung yeah. that big trade. And let's not forget the Panthers also. Uh, this offseason, decided to say goodbye to Andrew Brunette, who mm-hmm. uh, all that guy did was, hey, I'm going to take over from Joel Quenville when he was uh, dismissed or uh, relieved of his duties yep. and guided them to a president's trophy. And then you replace they, him they, with they, Paul Maurice. Feels like they kind of let him dangle for a little yeah. while. Anyway, that, and that then Paul Maurice, the guy that that's yeah, that's a lot. of I think I think Florida will be right up there. I'll throw one other team at you. That I've I've got because uh, because I I do have them scored and they scored pretty high, um, the Minnesota Wild, yes for yeah. um you know not not Absolutely. just you know as far as the the transactions in that not uh, you know nothing nothing too crazy although the Cam Talbot situation remember with his agent his uh, say oh Bill, wait, that quote to Bill Guerin Bill Guerin's got a lot of work to do and then I I can't I you know my sh- my kids are yeah. my kids are in the house I can't repeat what Bill Guerin said in yeah. response um not. Under his breath, not an off the record. Like you know, he basically told the uh, you know the reporters, "This is what I want to say." But then the whole uh, Kaprizov story that again that had yeah. nothing to do with you know with the ride. It wasn't a trade or a signing or anything like that. But that was um, you know, if it's not Johnny Gaudreau, that was the other strangest story of the season. And it seems like all's well that ends well. And but for a couple of weeks there, I mean, we're just. Yeah. You didn't know if you were following the NHL or if this was like a Tom Clancy novel. It was, uh, it was, it was strange here for a while. Yeah, some espionage for sure. Uh, since my kids are nowhere near, I can I relate the quote. When Bill <laughs> right. Guerin, uh, he, you know, uh, it was uh, George uh, earmuffs kids. Ooh. Yeah, ear, yeah, I love that scene. Earmuffs. Cam uh, Cam Talbot's agent uh, with all that. Yeah, you know, Bill's got some thinking to do, and it was Bill Guerin telling Mike Russo, "I don't have shit to do." <laughs> <laughs> that's like the greatest quote and not like a uh-huh. like uh are you is that on the record yeah it's it's i don't yeah. got shit to do uh yeah bill garen that's uh, but, not which you also- know, <laughs> off the record from a gm that wouldn't be all that newsworthy but yeah. no that was He's that like, was on right the record. And, and it's such a great quote because i whatever we've all dreamed of using that quote when somebody says We've got something to do to just be able to fire back, whether it's a boss or you know anybody. Anybody telling your spouse, uh, yeah. hey, you, uh, yeah. you, you know that that lawn. There's you still mow some the lawn. There's, there's some still dishes. some yard work to be done. Yeah. I ain't got. Yeah, it'd be like <laughs> I don't have shit. That would not go yeah. well. You'd be. I, I just most people's get, spouses. That would be it. I just yeah. picture Bill Guerin. I don't know if people. This is this is get. I, I, well, I was going to say this is too obscure, but I've already done the Wilson Phillips thing, so I've lost everyone that would do the. Uh, if you ever heard the Kevin Hart bit about getting to swear at his teacher, where his mom gets it tells <laughs> no. him he can go tell the teacher to you know to to mind her damn business, and he's so excited that he gets to swear to the teacher, and he tells all his friends it's about to go down. I picture Bill Guerin telling like his the rest of his front office as he's going off to talk to the media. Just just watch this. It's about to go down, uh, and then maybe going a little bit overboard. I still want to know at some point what does because the only Wilson Phillips songs I can think of are like sad like release me and what's no the, no no there's, one, like, there's hold a, on. the those hold, are sad on. songs yeah. that's not a sad song come on it man. isn't that's uh, no no we're gonna I, I we're think gonna figure you, out I need you okay right now I'm gonna talk I want you to look up the lyrics for hold on I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I'm not, I don't need they're, the lyrics. They're, they're you know, lyrics. Yeah, it's hold on. I'm looking at the, I've, I've called up yeah. the video right here. Hold on. 
They're okay. They're on a mountain. They are, you know, they're a little bit sad. There's a forest. They're on a beach for some reason in like cocktail dresses. But keep skipping. (laughs) There's a lot less walking in this video than I thought. But at some point, they are no, no. It 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 happens. They are here. They go. Yeah, they're walking along a beach. The sun is shining. There's people looking at them who don't seem to be actors. I think they just I think they just filmed this video like on a Tuesday morning. They are straight. They've got a stride. I'm telling you, man, there's three groups of people. All right. There's there's uh, first of all, there's people out there who don't know who Wilson Phillips is. You're too young yeah. to be on the Internet. Get off. Get off the Internet. We don't we don't uh, you're you're not you're not old enough. Ask mom and dad permission first before you listen to podcasts. There's people who agree with you because they're not up on their Wilson Phillips the way I am. And then there's people screaming at their at their device that I'm right, and they're screaming at you that, that you're wrong. And we're gonna get we're, we're gonna have and we're gonna get a we're gonna have a, of, a listener mailbag full of Wilson Phillips fans. Yeah, next year and uh, and or next week, and it's gonna be your fault, frankly. Yeah, you know I I remember years ago, um, what was the defenseman? God. Uh, and it wasn't because uh, uh, obviously Tom Wilson comes to mind. He's a forward, and it wasn't Colin Wilson. I don't think. Anyway, I remember making a joke saying, "Imagine if Ottawa traded for man, why am I blanking? Who was a, a, a Wilson like defenseman in the early two thousands? There was anyway. I said Ottawa should trade for him. Mm-hmm. Imagine the D pairing Wilson Phillips. How much fun we could have with Chris yeah. Phillips and Wilson, mm-hmm. and see, well, and how that joke go over. Uh, <laughs> Just like it did right now. Okay. Very All awkwardly. Right. Yeah. Very awkwardly and poorly. I don't even remember what, what Wilson was there. Oh, there's a, there's a Mike Wilson. I seem Mike to remember. Wilson. You know what? That, there, that's exactly what I think it was. Mike Wilson. Would have been, would have been after Doug Wilson's time. Yeah. Pre, Boy, uh, just... post Doug, post Doug Wilson, pre Tom Wilson. There was another Wilson in there. Right around the time, like uh, the Tom Hanks movie. That was Wilson, right? It was yeah, in it that was. window. Yes, that's right. Right in oh. that window. That's uh, the Wilson window. Okay. Is there, is there I, like, Brian Wilson? I don't there, know. What, and there's there the voice Brian? of Danielle. Yeah, that was, in. oh boy, that's scary. Like, what yeah. is this? <laughs> I forget she's there right now. <laughs> this is normally when you'd expect the producer to be like, shut up about Wilson Phillips and talk about Archie. I just have yeah, Wilson Phillips playing in my head. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, okay. there's, you probably, you know, you're welcome. Uh, there are, there are, by the way, two uh, active players named Phillips. In the league right now, uh, and active, uh, not you know, they're not especially active, but just in case, uh, because if they ever either one of those guys ever fights Tom Wilson, oh, oh boy, Wilson, oh, I'm gonna be yeah. all over that. Isaac you Phillips be the and play Matthew, play guys and Matthew play Phillips, play they've guys. combined for five games, so I, I was being really generous on active, but oh, um, oh boy, that's that'll be up there with the Taco Bell trade as uh, the all time great NHL double pun moments. Oh man! I imagine if they get in a fight. The play-by-play guy's got to say, "You just got to hold on here." Right? <laughs> okay. Uh, now, okay. Uh, play release we'll like me when the penalty said, ends. It'll be our, perfect. It'll be yeah. great. <laughs> Wait a our, second. Uh, Their two songs were "Hold On" and "Release Me." I never really thought. Oh my about gosh! That. Pick a, the, what pick conflicting message? What ladies, conflicting messages on. are that? Do you I want wonder, me to hold guys. on or re- let go? Like, yeah. see, see, ladies, this is why guys don't understand you because you're yeah. not. You're just come on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what are we doing? What have we done here? We've turned this into a Wilson Phillips pod. Uh, we said that uh, you can send us emails, feedback. Uh, it's a perfect segue for us to talk about some, some emails we got. Uh, the Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. 
theathletichockeyshow at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail. Probably some angry voicemails about Wilson Phillips. 845-445-8459. Grant from Virginia. Um, this is less of a question, guys. I guess more of a commentary. Uh, Nick Suzuki, being named captain of the Montreal Canadiens, got me thinking about the recent trend of young star players being given the C. I've crunched some numbers here. The average age of captains for this season is 30 years, uh, 30 and a half years, 30.5. Uh, 10 years ago, it was 30.4, but in 0203, it was north of 32 years. Uh, my, my point is there are four captains in the league right now who are under 25, the youngest being Brady Kachuk at 22. Uh, go back 20 years ago, there's only one who fit that category in Joe Thornton. Um, bonus points if you can name the three captains from 20 years ago who are NHL GMs today. That comes in from Grant. So I guess Sackett Geiserman, right? Would be Yeah, Sackett Geiserman, I would assume Ron Francis would be the other one. Oh, yeah. There you go. I don't know if... Got, I mean, a lot, I of, lot of ex-players as uh, GMs. Was, was Bill Guerin ever a captain? Was anything Bill, like that. But but Ron Francis was the captain in, uh, in Carolina for a few years. Yeah. yeah. Bill Guerin would have handled the workload. They'd be like, Bill, you got this uh, meeting with the players and the coaches after you. I don't got <laughs> shit to do. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think that's stop not, asking Bill to do yeah, things. It's, he's not doing it. Um, yeah. Dan from Chicago writes in uh, to us on email. Quick question, guys. Maybe this is something I missed, but uh, back in the day, I remember when players used to tuck their jerseys uh, into their pants. I remember Wayne Gretzky even got in some hot water for tucking the CCM logo into his pants when he was with L.A. Why did this change? Is there a safety reason behind this? I just don't seem to remember uh, ever, ever getting hurt because of an untucked jersey. Uh, is this another strange NHL decision to sap the fun out of the game? Yeah, Gretzky used to tuck the right side of his jersey, and if I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. did CCM not move the logo to the left side so that he could still do the tuck, but his the the little logo was visible? I believe so. Yeah, that does yeah, sound so, familiar. Right? And they yeah. did pass a rule at some point, although I don't remember if it was did they, did they not wait for Gretzky to retire? Yeah, or did I they think do so. it? And then they it, said, yeah, you can't tuck in. The jersey, and it, it was a little bit of a no fun thing. Although um, my uh, uh, my my good pal in in uh, hockey writing and formerly hockey podcasting, Greg Wyshynski, buys into a conspiracy theory here that this was a preemptive move by the league for eventually selling ads on on jerseys that, uh, and you, you know, you could argue that the CCM finally got was there. already yeah. that this was their way of making sure that players couldn't alter their uniform or do anything like that, that, uh, might hide a logo at some point that somebody had sold. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, but, but yes, uh, Dan is correct. Players used to tuck it in. Gilmore used to do it. Uh, you know, there were others. Um, and, uh, no, it's not a safety thing. I think it's, it's, you know, similar to the NFL, you know, you gotta have, Got to have the right type of socks and pulled up to the right length, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, that's that's exactly what it was. And I don't remember exactly when they changed it, but they, they did at some point. Uh, and one more. We got a tweet here from the Hockey Boomer. Uh, Anaheim fans are excited, hopeful for the season to come, largely on the back of the season the young players had last year. My question is, has the sophomore slump kind of gone away? Or is it just a touch of recency bias due to all the elite young players that we've seen. That's the hockey boomer. You know what? It's a good point. Like, um, I'm trying to think of some good, like think of like a Austin Matthews. Like he came in the league, 
Did anybody say like, ooh, got to watch out for that sophomore slump? Like, yeah. You know, it's really an interesting happen, question because this used to be, it wasn't a hockey thing. It was a sports thing. Yeah. You used slump. to hear this in sports quite a lot. And and I, you know, I haven't really um, heard it all that much. And, and no, I mean, I think recently you haven't seen a lot of guys come in and, and have big rookie years. And then, you know, a second year fall off. I, I mean, the, the reason the sophomore slump was similar in a way to like the the curse of uh, the Sports Illustrated cover, right? Like, right. If if you it it it's it's the selection bias of if you're on the cover of Sports Illustrated, you're probably at the height of whatever it is that you do. If you're someone that people even talk about a sophomore slump, it's probably because you had an unexpectedly great rookie year, yeah. and there's kind of only one way to go. So, um, you know, I, I I'm sure there are guys who who've outproduced expectations in a rookie year. Um, and then, uh, you know, you know, Michael Bunting might have a sophomore slump this year. Uh, that would, uh, I don't think would shock anyone, but Connor McDavid or, you know, awesome. Even Patrick Laney had like the, the, I think his, his one big year was his, his second year. And that's, uh, uh, when guys feel like they hit the stride. So no, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be concerned if, uh, if I was a fan of any team with, with good young rookies that uh that you're gonna see a, a second year slump that doesn't really seem to be a thing anymore i don't know if it ever was but we used to talk about it a lot more and and yeah you, you just don't hear it these days let's wrap up with a little this week in hockey history and for those people who have been patiently waiting for hey didn't ian make an adam foot reference and promise to circle back to it well here sure. we are yep. we've arrived to that point uh <laughs> it would have been funny 14th. if you just never came back I, to I, it had people were like oh like, my god what I didn't mean, just leave us a cliffhanger like that. Um, this week in hockey history, September of 1996, September 14th, 1996 to be exact, Team USA stuns Team Canada with four late third period goals to steal a 5-2 victory and capture the inaugural World Cup of Hockey played at uh, the uh, Bell Centre in Montreal. And the reason why I bring up Adam Foote's name is, you know, Sean... And you and I, we, you and I went to what game two of this tournament? See, I was trying to remember. Did we go to game two, or were we two and three? Were we there that no. night? No, I, I, we, we I, weren't for game three. Yeah, okay, man, I have maybe you just we blocked were. it out of your mind? Like maybe you were there for game three, and I, I don't think so. I think we we went to game two. Okay, yeah, we definitely were at game two, well. which which we thought, yeah, that was because that was going to be coronation night, where Canada was going to take their rightful and, place, and yeah, wasn't yeah, to be. And, and you know. If you think about the great goals in Canadian history, right? There's, there's, you're going to hear a lot about Paul Henderson and uh, in in the days to come here as we get to the 50th anniversary of 72, and you know, Mario had the goal in 87 and Sid in 2010. Adam Foot, for like four minutes in real time, was like part of this group because Adam Foot scored with seven minutes left in in this game to give Canada a two one lead. And we thought, my goodness gracious, Adam Foote is going to go down in history as a guy who has scored one of the great goals. And then what happened? It was, I think it was Hull. It was a Monty. It was, um, I think Denmark had a goal or an empty night. Anyway, long story short, the Americans came back and stunned Team Canada. And Adam Foote's moment of glory internationally was taken away in the span of about, like I said, three or four minutes of real time. Devastating. Yeah, yeah that's, 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 that's a tough one for him. And, and you know, man... I don't remember this game that well, and which is weird because I I very much get into best on best international hockey, and uh, so you know I I and I remember other parts of this. Remember the line brawl between USA and Canada? 
I think it that was, was Kachuk and Lemieux, in, right? In there, it was Kachuk and Lemieux, and there was a there was another fight going on at the same thing. There was Kachuk Lemieux. Um, was Lindros in one of them? Are we getting yeah, another Will Guerin reference uh, coming? Yeah, in? Yeah, it, it could have been. Yeah, like uh, it was, but yeah, there was like a full on line brawl with two, you know, f- f- punches throwing fights going on at the same time in an international best of best tournament. I mean, it was it was completely wild but it was uh um yeah that that was uh that was a fun tournament but that game i maybe you're right maybe i've just blocked it out but uh i don't i don't you know a collapse like that i'm 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 somebody i hold on to those things man i i remember details so i'm surprised i don't have uh this one as as ready to yeah, go as i think you've, as you've some you've tucked it away into a deep dark corner of your mind you don't want to yeah but i but dude i've been a leaf fan my whole life if i blocked <laughs> all the bad memories i wouldn't know anything about you wouldn't anything. know anything like, I, yeah, yeah, I'd be, uh, I'd, I'd have nothing for you, so. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, we're, let's leave it there uh, to to wrap up this edition of, uh, the Thursday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. I want to thank everybody for joining us. Like I said, uh, next week, uh, training camps will be underway. We will probably, I'm thinking we're going to have less Wilson Phillips talk, but I don't want to, I don't want to make any promises. But uh, You know you what? That's us. up to you, the listener. If you want more yeah. than that. <laughs> That's going to be, we're, we're going to do, it's going to be a survey. Hold on or release me. That's it. Or you know, hold can on you name a Wilson third Phillips. song? I don't think, is there a third song? Did they have three songs? You know, now you're going to get people mad at us because there's going to be, uh, you know, we're going to have a bunch of people telling us how, yeah, there was, You're in Love. Just looked it up. You're in Love was a Wilson Phillips song. It, 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 I don't think it's as popular, but that is, that is one where, go listen to it on YouTube after you're done watching the hold on video and you'll, you'll be like, yeah, I remember this one. But, and I, and then I think that was it. Three hit wonder. There we go. Three hit wonder. We'll, we'll leave it there. Like I said, any uh, email feedback, we love it. The athletic hockey show at gmail.com. We also love to hear your voice voicemails. 845-445-8459. Not a subscriber with us. You can join us at the athletic.com slash hockey show. Sorry. Now I'm thinking about Gary Bettman phoning in as Barry Getman or whatever. Anyway, I, that, yeah. that was from 40 minutes ago. That's not he might anymore. He might be more into the Wilson Phillips stuff than, it, than anything else. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Theathletic.com slash hockey show. Annual subscription for a dollar a month for six months. You can also subscribe to The Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Get all of our bonus content from the entire network. A 30-day free trial, and then it's just 99 cents a month after that. <laughs>